0: You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered missional family of disciples making disciples in churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Good morning, Redeemer. My name is Libby, and I serve on our mobilization team, um, and I'm going to be reading our scripture for today. So if you brought a Bible with you, go ahead and turn to Matthew 6, Um, and if you did not, you can go ahead and read along. On the screens here. Um, So I'm going to be reading Matthew 6 verses 1 through 4 today. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that you may be, so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you.
1: Amen. Thank you, Libby. good morning, Redeemer. Uh, My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors on staff here and also serve as our college director and church planning director. And so really excited to see you this morning. Um, Before we jump into our scriptures, um, if you were here this week, uh, this is not how our sanctuary looked. Um, Our chairs were out of this thing, and it looked more like a campsite uh, with a lot of campgrounds. And so we had our kids explore up here and there were around 150 uh, kindergarten through fifth graders here learning about Jesus. And uh, man, it is one of those times uh, where as a pastor of this place, my affections really stirred for Jesus. And so for Marcy and Heather and Amber and their teams of a host of staff and lay volunteers that help serve your children that were here, uh, I just wanted to acknowledge them from here. And it was just a really encouraging and really cool week to see not only what goes on on Sundays back there in that place, but also uh, this week where there's just a lot of encouragement and the gospels preach really clearly. And so just really cool time, really, really cool time in the life of our church to see that happen. So um, as we jump in here to uh, Matthew chapter 6, over the summer, if you're joining us here, uh, maybe it's your first time, you've kind of been in and out, that's just kind of how summer is, we have been walking uh, pretty slowly and intentionally through the Sermon on the mount. And what we have been seeing is that each week, Jesus goes to the deep places of our heart. Um, Each section of this sermon, chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew, is God kind of turning up the soil in our hearts. He doesn't want us just to sit in these places of outward action, but rather to address the places and examine the motives of our heart when it comes comes to our actions and actually call us to something more call us to reflection and so here's the deal you and I have an innate desire in us towards encouragement and praise don't we like you and I have a desire and in fact I think the Bible over and over again exhorts us to encouragement and praise it encourages us to build each other up doesn't it Like we'll read it in Hebrews again and again. It exhorts us to encourage each other in our giftings, to to care for one another, to praise the Lord first and foremost. We read that in the Psalms and we read it in the Proverbs. We read that over and over again and even into the church to praise the Lord, to worship him as we just did here before we opened his word, to sing praise about who he is and not just what he's done for us, but to praise him for his character. And then to celebrate the good things that we bring through the gospel to each other and to our city and to this body of believers and the way that we bless each other and we bless the body. Like those are good things that God has created in us and even a good desire that we have to do those things to others and to praise. But but the problem is that sin and brokenness has created in this world and in our own hearts, a distorted view of what that means. And so what happens is we struggle to really walk in that encouragement, to walk in that praise versus doing things that go one of two ways, things that are motivated by that praise and approval of people or things that self-deprecate and create false humility within us, right? Both of them coming from a place of pride and approval, one that seeks the praise of other and one that tries to like, no, 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 I'm really not that good but secretly he's like, yeah, right? No, just me, perfect. But we'd strive to be seen in a certain light. And so what happens is as we strive for that, as we live in that distorted view, as we wrestle through that, as we wrestle through sin and brokenness, what happens in our society is it becomes easier and easier just to throw up the filter, doesn't it? becomes easier to throw up that filter and do good things even for the wrong reasons. Like, like, like me give me an example that was super real to me this week and over the past few weeks as I've been praying this sermon. Um, listen, as a, as, a, as a person who is in full-time vocational ministry, here's what it's easy for me to do. And, and listen, I don't think you have to be in full-time church work for this to resonate with you, but but here's where it landed with me this week. Trying to craft a sermon that is passionate and intense, right? That's who I am. Most of the staff calls me coach, right? That's how God's wired me. And, and to have the gospel at the forefront, you in there somewhere, and even sitting in my office at home or at the, at the church and being so frustrated with myself that it didn't flow well. I couldn't get my point across as clear as I wanted to. Sitting in sermon lab the other day, frustrated that it didn't come out the way I wanted. And listen, those things aren't bad. Those things aren't bad to want to 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 have a sermon that flows well and isn't disjointed and, and even to have you somewhere kind of worked in there. But here's what began to happen. Those things became ultimate in my mind. And those things became the ultimate driver so that in the back after this, be like, hey man, great job, coach. Did a good job. That pat on the back, man, that was really intense. That was, that was you, but, and, and listen, when that became ultimate, I go to crazy lengths to keep up that show. And rather, then embracing the reality of where I need Jesus in that moment, where I need to push into the glory of God, I will seek my reputation. I will seek my compromise that will lead to inevitable destruction. And here's what Jesus does in this verse and has been doing throughout all of the Sermon on the Mount. He confronts what is often easy and if not kept in constant awareness, adrift from Christ-driven obedience to applause-motivated action. And so here's what I want you to do as we dive into Scripture today. I want you to think of this as a two-part sermon. I want you to think of this week as dealing with this mask that we all wear of practicing and struggling. Because I think I don't think any of us are immune to this, right? We probably go one of two ways. We strive for that, that righteousness of practicing before others that we can be seen. Or we, or we struggle with that self-deprecating side of it. It's like, no, 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 I'm, I'm not good. I'm not good. I'm not good at all. And we struggle with those practicing before others. And then, and then next week, Madison will come and, and talk about, and how do we rest in the identity and the sonship that we have been adopted into? And so let's look here again at Matthew 6, 1 through 4. As Jesus leans in, there's a transition that we're gonna talk about that's happening between chapters 5 and 6. And Jesus begins to walk us through. But look here, he says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them for then you will have no reward before your father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received the reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Listen, I don't think anyone sets out to be a hypocrite. I don't think that's what you write on your vision board at home or your goal sheet. Hypocrite, right? There's the goal. I mean, And here's what I mean. I don't think anyone sets out to just create different personas in different places and to switch from mask to mask and to fit the right situation, to be seen in the right light around the right people. And in fact, I think things actually start out pretty simply and pretty good, right? Like I want to do something good. And that later may turn into something like motivating. I think, hey, if other people saw what I did, maybe it would inspire them to actually do something good. They would inspire them. And then the goal suddenly like shifts slowly but surely and it becomes not about empowering people in their gifts, but rather that those people would begin to praise our actions. And the end goal is not to push back what's dark in the world, not not to have good for the sake of doing good, not for the gospel to go forth, but rather for the recognition and the praise. And listen, this is the state that we find the religious leaders of the day in the first century is over time, the Pharisees were not these evil people. They were not set out to be these evil people that that eventually didn't recognize the Messiah that had come before them was plainly before them. Here's what happened is that that they had a desire to separate themselves from the culture around them. They had a desire to show their godly pursuits like they, they had, they were following the Old Testament law to a T and they had created, listen, to, to separate themselves, they created a whole nother list of things that they were following. They're like, no, no, we need to be further separated. So we're gonna create a whole nother list of things that will separate us further. And those laws that were meant to separate them from society to point to a godly pursuit, all of a sudden turned into a spotlight and a hunger and approval of others. What was meant to be a God-honoring act soon became the ultimate act for them. Obedience, for the sake of obedience and recognition, became the ultimate end goal, honestly, before God Himself. And so they started doing crazy things. Like when they fasted, they would like become disheveled, and that people would see that they were fasting. They just like walking around, oh, what's wrong with you? I've been fasting godly act they they would they would pray on the street corners in these loud obnoxious prayers right like those guys with the repent or burn signs on the street corner right like just to be seen by others and even to the giving. I don't know if there was like a literal trumpet going on here, right? Like some bugler from the Kentucky Derby going on here. I don't know if that's what was going on, but there was a show when they went to pray. In fact, Jesus tells this story, right? About these about these Pharisees that are praying in this place and, and, and they're praying in the synagogue. And, and this one Pharisee like is praying and he said, he's looking around, he's like, God, I thank you that I'm not like, Oh, that tax collector in the back, right? Like there's this crazy stuff that's going on. I believe, listen, I think this is not too far from where our hearts can often go. Like I think sometimes we paint this in. I, I think for me, I remember growing up and, and, and you're gonna hear a lot of basketball stuff today. That's just who I am, all right? It's just where I am. Um, but I grew up, I think I grew up with this desire just to be a good basketball player. Like I can remember growing up in the yard, uh, in my front driveway, like I would throw the Jordan Jersey on, which I had like all of them. um, And I would just create like scenarios in my head. I was an only child, right? So there tells a lot about me. Um, uh, And like create and talk, all these things. And just a desire just to play and be good. And then that desire, when I got into junior high and high school, became like, I really wanna be good at basketball. And so I made sacrifices. And then all of a sudden, like I had enough church and enough religion and enough of just the ability to know who God was. I was like, dude, God, man, if you'll let me drop 30 tonight, I give you a shout out when the newspaper comes and interviews me, right? I'll give you a shout, yeah. You know, all glory to God, couldn't do this unless God you know, gave me all the while knowing that I wanted that spotlight for myself. Like what was a good desire to use the talents and abilities slowly and surely Drifted, And I believe this is where our hearts are, are prone to go. Listen, this is why God in his grace goes to the deep places. And this is why in verse one, he says, beware. Like Jesus continues to develop this theme of kingdom life in the real world. Listen, first off, here's what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying that all forms of public worship and obedience are bad. He's not saying that. In fact, um, There there are forms of worship that we should strive for deeper levels of commitment and obedience that that we can look around in this place. This is a beautiful thing before the Lord, that there would be a group of men and women striving here today. Whether you're here for the first time and you don't know Jesus, welcome to a group of broken men and women only redeemed by him trying to pursue that. You are welcome here. Whether you've been following Jesus for 30 years or you're new to this, this this is just what we're doing. There's nothing special about this just so we're going after a perfect savior. And, and over and over, he is, he is not even saying that this is to be condemned. That would fly in the face of everything that he would say in the Bible that would call Christians to live their lives out loud. That were to live as light in a dark place, to live an open and honest way, to let our light shine before men, to always be ready to give a defense when people ask about the hope that is inside of us. And if if this were the case, Jesus would have condemned all forms of public worship. So he's not condemning outward forms of public worship in this. What Jesus is calling his disciples is, be aware of the motive. The motive that lies within all of us, the approval of man and the gentle stroking of the ego. When we're not aware of God, when he is distant in our mind, When we are not in communion with him, we are prone to run to outward praise that we get from people. We have a summer study during the month of June in our college ministry. We just walk through on Tuesday nights, the book of Philippians. It's been a really sweet time for us. It's a different space for our college ministry. And and we were talking through Philippians three this past week about how we simply try to add works to the righteousness that God has given us in salvation and how we try to earn God's salvation. And, and one of our students, Macy, said this. She said, how easy is it for us to go to church and do the activity, but never be intentional about our walk with Jesus? And I was like, man, this is exactly what Jesus is pressing on us in Matthew 6. He said, beware because you wanna be seen by them. Look at at what he says in, in in that first part of verse one, to be seen by them. You see, in chapter five, Jesus was heavy on the theme of righteousness. And in chapter six, he's making the transition to now being concerned with how that righteousness is practiced and played out. Look at verses two through four here. Jesus says, thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets that they may be praised by others. You see, Jesus uses giving as the main example here because this is such a relevant religious act that can turn up deep places of the heart and it can expose those true motives. You see, in religious terms, I think there were three signs of piety in that day as there are today, prayer and fasting, which Madison will cover more uh, next week, and and giving. And he says that it is in these various forms of religious acts that we can find ourselves so often playing the part. And Jesus knows that our hearts are prone to, to sell out high Christian morality and joyful obedience for cheap acts that raise the ego and push our hearts to just religion. You see, Jesus uses this to address the religious leaders of the day and even for us that would sit here today for doing the same things spiritually doing something that was intended to honor and glorify God and be for the good of his people and turn it into a self-promoting action. You see, giving as it, was, as it is today was a pillar of religious life. Jesus calls this over and over again, But these leaders were giving to be seen and praised by others. They took that glory that was intended for God and took it on themselves. Notice what Jesus says here. He doesn't say, if you give, he says, when you give. So there's something about the very act of giving that should be sanctifying. Jesus doesn't do things just randomly, he's calculated to the heart. He's not just interested in our begrudging submission. He's trying to uncover again, the deep places in us to call us to something more, something more beautiful. And what he's saying here is that giving is a sanctifying act because each time that we are confronted with that gift, we are given the opportunity to slow down and evaluate the motive. Now, that used to be back in the day, you'd have to take the time to actually write a check. Remember those days, Gen Xers, right? Like check, checkbook, what, what, right? Today it's just like click, oh wait, it's on. But the reality is the motive is still there. That every time I see that thing come out of the account, every time I'm prone to give, every time I sit down with one of our mobilizers or one of, the, one of, our, one of our goers overseas that's coming and putting their support before us or before whomever, like I have a chance to elevate the motive and I just go, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm just gonna give. Like I get to hear the heart. I get to sit and hear what is going on in the world, what, what their heart is, what's going on around. And listen, I get to evaluate my motive. get to evaluate where I'm at. Look at what he says in John 12. Look Look at how he confronts this in John 12. He says, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Like Jesus doesn't throw punches. Like Jesus just hits us in the deep places of the heart. He says, this is the motive. Can we slow down enough in our own hearts to say, is this where I am? In a world that just goes chaotic sometimes. And what is often here is, what I often hear is, how are you today? I'm so busy. And we run from work to play, to kids thing, to sports, to the next activity. And we move at such a rapid pace today that the moment our head hits the pillow, most of us are out or our mind starts racing about all the things we didn't get done. And when do we have time to sit and evaluate that motive that's in our heart? The motive that God calls us to. And I think, listen, this is where the drift begins to happen. It's not sudden. It doesn't just happen. It happens over time. We have this axiom in our college ministry that's called faith, that we, we've just labeled faithful over impressive. And, and here's what we talk about so often is that, is that we want deep roots. Like we, we, want, we want our roots to be deep. We, we don't wanna be that that springs up quickly and may look good and even budded into a nice flower, but its roots are shallow. And when the storms come and, and, and when the, the waves come, it shrivels it up. We want our roots to be deep and we want it to be sunken into the Lord. And I mean, think about this. Like think about how prone we are to put on appearance and practice our righteousness over those deep roots. I mean, think about how prone we are at our job to the appearance of working hard. Well, maybe we've watched Cookie Monster sings Purple Rain a thousand times or played Minesweeper. I mean, Minecraft, I mean. Or maybe in our marriage, we want the appearance in our small group that it's, everything's going well. But when rubber meets the road, we don't want the conversations at home that create the depth. Maybe, maybe it's in our church walk. Maybe we go back to Macy's statement. Maybe we're just coming because that's what we do. Because that's how we were raised. We're West Texans, man. This is what we do. We come to church. Grandpappy was a pastor out in West Texas. This is who we are. Maybe, maybe it's in parenting our kids. I know for me, that, that, that hits me because I love, I love my kids when they, when they act really good in public. but what is it like when I'm at home with them? Am I putting in the work? Am I practicing my righteousness before men that I can be seen by them? Or, or do I really have my kids wanting them to love and know Jesus when nobody's watching? When, when, there's not, when there's not an award on the table, when there's not an out- of boy, when it's hard? when I I have questions and I need to ask people I need to lean into experience and I need to own my own mistakes? Is it in your grades? Maybe it's your social media presence. Maybe it's throwing up those Bible verses, but... And want to be seen a certain way in social media presence, and I think on and on and on we go. The reality is that so often we want to be perceived in a certain light, yet the hard work behind the scenes is often absent. If it's if you're anything like me, and instead of leaning into the inadequacies and leaning in, we we facade around from discipleship meeting to discipleship meeting, giving enough of ourselves to never really be known, and we do all this so that people will see us as. Disciplined or trustworthy, they'd see us as spiritual or holy. While all those things are good, what elevated in our minds as outward appearance outweighs the inward realities of our hearts. And here's the thing what we're not saying is that we're perfect on the inward, what we're saying is the hypocrite is the one who doesn't see the sin and re- knows that the sin is there, just doesn't recognize it. The reality is. The one who's following Jesus says, I got all this stuff here and I'm just gonna be honest and open and bring it into the light. And Jesus says, here's the real tragedy. He says this in verse three. He says, but when you give, he says, truly I say to you, they have their reward. The tragedy is, is this. The very reward that we want will get. The applause of man. It will come and it will stroke the ego and it will feel really good. And the praise that comes when we cut corners and still get the promotion or give that huge gift and get name recognition, that will feel good but that will be all. And that will be all they will get. And the deep, long insatisfaction for true approval will forever be elusive. And like the attic, we will just be back needing more and more. It doesn't just stay in one place. It is not static. It will grow and consume and eventually will do everything in our power to cover up any inadequacy inadequacies that we have, any inconsistencies, any sin that might be there, and we will play the part so their ego is coddled. And Jesus confronts these places in our hearts, not out of judgment, but out of grace. He doesn't leave us here, but he offers a gospel-centered solution that keeps our hearts focused on where it needs to be. Listen, because the desire for encouragement is good, And to walk in righteousness is a God-given desire. Listen, he has empowered us to walk in a way that is consistent with a heart that is transformed by the gospel that seeks his glory, the good of our fellow man and finds approval that we are actually searching for. Like to keep with this giving example, given when done in the right perspective with the proper motives, moves the heart and the soul past any pat on the back or boy, any sign that we could get. And that's just that. past the action or past the applause. When the gospel reaches past our base desires, it transforms everything. Like Philippians 2 says, man, Jesus, we have this great example, right? Like Jesus did not count equality a thing to be grasped, but he humbled himself and he took the form of a servant and he was obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And he has empowered the believer now to live in such a way that we don't have to do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, we can count others more important and significant than ourselves We are no longer left to be aware on our own, but we have a rock that is stable and a solution that will not fade. We do not have to play a role. We can be who we are. And then listen, we can act not out of fear. And listen, you should act. You shouldn't sit there and go, I don't wanna be a hypocrite, so I'm not gonna give. No, you should act. Because the object in view is his glory. Even as broken as we are, even as even as as, as inconsistent as we can be, He he is the object. He is the giver of good gifts. And we only are spurned to give because of him. And once that mask is lifted, once we take that mask off, our vision isn't impaired, it's actually heightened. Our motives are to see him honored and we're free from any unmet expectations because here's the thing, we know at the end of the day, he will be lifted high. That is a promise from the word of God. It will happen. We don't have to wonder. We don't have to guess. He will be honored and glorified and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and we can rest in that. So how do we do this? Here's how I wanna leave this. Here's how I wanna leave this. Here's how I think we should work this out. Number one, what do your daily rhythms look like? This doesn't happen over time. As a coach, we would work on shooting all the time. And we would drill this acronym into our players, balance, elbow, eyes, follow through. And over and over again, we say it, balance, elbow, eyes, follow through, balance, elbow, all the time we would do it. And at some point, it would just become second nature. It would just become second nature. And they would just do it. They would just hold their follow-through for one second. They wouldn't even know they were doing it. When Jesus confronts us in verse four, and he's talking about that your right hand may not know what your left hand is doing, he's not saying that we just do things in secret. What he's saying is there is there is an unawareness there's a good self unawareness when we are doing things for His glory, and that is the motive. There's a beautiful unawareness to us. Look at what He says in verse 25 of, uh, or in chapter 25 of Matthew. Um, I think we have it up here. Yeah, look what He says. He's talking about this final judgment day. Look here. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and when and welcome you or naked and clothed? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the King will answer truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. Like when it becomes second nature, there is a good self-unawareness. Like when we're daily daily in the word, we're daily finding ourselves drawn to the scriptures. We're daily finding ourselves what is happening on a day in day out basis for you. Are you drawn to those places where you're becoming aware of your heart and your motives and you're sensitive to the ways that you are prone to stray and you're sensitive to the ways that your motives may stray from him because it's God's grace for me even to sit here and craft a sermon where he would go, hey, hey, you're wanting that attaboy. You're wanting that pat on the back. You wanting to walk out of here feeling like you did a good job and not honor and glorify me above all. That's his grace. Secondly is this, do you think about often how God has wired you? All of us have different giftings and different likes do you think about how God has wired you? That God has caused you to enjoy things in him, that there are giftings and things that he has given you and that you should be growing in maturity and not trudging through the swamp, but you are free to be who God has created you to be and to strive for his approval, to enjoy the things that he's given you in this life. Are you Striving after the way he's wired you and the beauty and confines of the scriptures. And then lastly, who are the people that have access to your life? Do you have men and women in your life that know you well, that you let into the deep places that you let see those places that you wanna guard and put up a filter and that you wanna practice and you wanna throw up the facade that can see past all of those things and know your motives and that can keep you grounded and pointed towards the gospel. The, glo- the goal is the glory of God. The end goal is not that we get there. I don't even know where there is. <laughs> I don't even know what that means. Heaven, perfection, perfection. The goal is that day in, day out that we take our eyes off of the here and now. We take our eyes off of immediate reactions or felt needs in the moment and we become consumed by the goodness that he has shown us. Listen, I'll end with this. The hope is, that, is this, not that we're gonna figure it out, but the hope is that we have one who is perfectly righteous, that he has come to save you that he died not for show, but that he died in our place. That he died to free us from constant pursuit and applause and motivated action and rose again to give us freedom once and for all from the approval of others and even from the approval of ourselves. Let's pray. Father, I'm grateful for your word. I'm grateful for the truth of it, grateful for who you are. And God, thankful that, You don't leave us where we're at, but God, you you dive into the deep places of our heart. And so today, will you do that? Will you stir in us places where we, where our motives may be off from the gospel? God, will you bring those things into light? Even as we have a chance to respond now to what you're doing, that God, maybe we haven't committed our life to you and today would be the day that we would, or maybe there's been things that we have just stuffed down so deep we haven't wanted to confront, that today would be that day. God, by your grace, by your word, by your truth, will you not let us stay where we're at? Will you move us into the deep places? Will you move us to something more? Will you move us to joy and acceptance and full approval in who you are? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.